Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hi, Andy. Hey there, Patrick. Hi, Andy. It is it is a joy and a pleasure to see your face. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, man. And Are to you see the truth? Are you and, lying to me? and to see your lovely basement, your unfinished basement behind you. I love it. Yeah, the basement. The basement. I put some flowers on the treadmill. You can see that. <laughs> some good decorations. I, I have nothing. My background, I have like a white wall. So I, I got to put some some flair and color, maybe some flamingos like you do um, in my background. Yeah, I wish I had a white wall. I got the brown, dirty uh, basement wall and the ceiling and stuff. So... Yeah, well, what does what does your uh, Zoom background say about you, Patrick? You know your your real life um, video call background. My real life video call background. Yeah. it says that I don't have enough money to finish my basement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's and I'm I'm getting those vibes for sure. Getting those vibes. It also says I'm completely completely unprepared to work from home. <laughs> See mine with just this white wall behind me. It's just uh, I am the kind of designer who's not afraid to have a blank canvas. That's what it says about me. Yeah, it says you're open to anything. Yeah, <laughs> and that that was on purpose. It wasn't because I just haven't put anything up. <laughs> this is exactly what I want everyone to think. <laughs> Your mind is wide open. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking about working what? from home, Patrick. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's a we actually had a special guest on the show a couple episodes back that we didn't acknowledge. My during our podcast, my three year old son came marching in on my side of the you know of the cast and <laughs> was you can if you listen really closely at the right time you hear a little like voice going daddy daddy. <laughs> he, oh, he, you can. Yeah, you can. It's, it's in the final edit. <laughs> oh, dang. Not a ghost. I thought it was a ghost. I was listening to it up. I was like way late at night listening to podcasts <laughs> like I normally do. And uh, I'm sitting in my chair upstairs, you know, the soft, cushy chair. Mm-hmm. Just listening, you know, staring at the wall. And I heard, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> I was like, what is that? What is that? That was your that was your that was your little guy. That was my little guy. Yeah. See right there nice. I thought you were gonna say it was like kind of that scene from the sixth sense when uh when what's what's that guy's <laughs> name? What's that guy's name? Uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, thank you. When he's like listening <laughs> listening to a tape recording of one of his old sessions and he hears the ghost in the background. Ooh, and then he realizes yeah. that, that that kid does really see dead people. So I thought you were gonna like say something around those lines and you know, give me a call and be like, no. Andy, are you are you seeing things that other people aren't seeing? Are you seeing dead people? Yeah. Um, no, that was that was my son um, <laughs> coming into the podcast. So that was a awesome, awesome guest that we had. Um, yeah. that we, we didn't really acknowledge. He, he had to come in and help me adjust his his little toy or something like that. So it was really important. We know? should have him on again. We yeah. Bring him on every episode. Just sneak him in somehow. Yeah, we could bring him on and, and ask him, like, from a three-year-old perspective, should designers code, you know? Yeah. I think he has a lot of good, yeah, good thoughts it, there. Well, and he'd, he'd, be very, uh, he'd be very transparent and honest about it. Yeah, he know? would. 
<laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be great, but there'd be a lot of potty talk, you know, because that's that's all the rage right now in my house. Yeah, potty talk. Potty talk. <laughs> Is that our topic today? Potty talk? Um, yeah, it should be. Yeah, what's, what's the top five potty talk words of 2020? Yeah. Fart's always a classic, right? Fart's great. I think that's trending down a little bit this year. You know, <laughs> poop is poop is going up ahead of fart. <laughs> poop, is, poop is gone. Poop is all the rage this year. Poop is, poop is uh, yeah, trending. <laughs> 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 I like how you say poop is all the rage this year. <laughs> Let me write that down. <laughs> Title of the podcast. Yeah, please quote me. Yeah, it's <laughs> poop is all the rage this year. <laughs> Done. Even out of context, it sounds great, you know. Like <laughs> I am not embarrassed at all right now. <laughs> Should we make a new t-shirt? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what what is it what is our topic, Andy? I hope it's I hope it I hope it's something to do. I hope we can tie it in poop is all the rage this year. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully Matt Bourne sent something in. Um, <laughs> what is what is all the rage this year? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the topic. Uh, coincidentally, <laughs> apparently it's poop. <laughs> I mean, do you remember the toilet paper scare of you know spring twenty twenty? Poop is all the rage. Yeah, yeah. The toilet paper scare of March. Glad we made it through that. Yeah, that was rough times. Touch and go, man. Touch and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were on code brown. Not code red or yellow. Code brown. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good potty joke right there, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> My kids would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> you think we should like try to go for a different demographic? <laughs> Maybe. I think our numbers many, would go up a lot How many five-year-olds listen to podcasts? ton of them, man. Especially, you know, if, if they were potty, potty talk podcasts, I think they would listen to them all the time. So, well, it's, you're probably right. I mean, Joe Rogan has millions and millions of people listening to his podcast. So I assume the majority of them are five-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very possible. Between between five and thirteen. Yeah. Target demographic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we find out what our our secondary topic is for the day, Patrick? What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, let's run the the generator here. Topic generator. <laughs> Great. Um, so, Patrick. Today's topic is actually, it has been submitted by our executive producer, Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne, he would... In the house. 
and be in the house. So Matt Warren says, is it fair as a designer or product manager to desire for your engineers to do more work? Whoa. Is it fair? Read that again. Is it fair for, sorry, I'll start again. Is it fair as a designer or as a product manager to desire for your engineers to do more work? Hmm. Depends on your intent, right, Andy? (laughs) This is interesting. (laughs) This is interesting. I think it does depend on your intent. Yeah, let's 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 go into that more. What what would be some examples of um, different intents, Patrick? Um, the intent. I don't know if it's. I don't. I don't well, maybe it's not even in the intent. You you shouldn't. You shouldn't purposely try to create more work for other people, right? But I also think you shouldn't purposely try to not create more work for people, right? And by like, we should. Well, I'm just I'm just saying like we should we should design or want to create a product that's best for our users. Mhm. Right, that should be the intent. Now, if that means that let's say you have two let's say let's just boil it down. Generally you can have millions, but let's say you have two alternatives. You have option A, it's easier for a developer to build but less less desirable for the user. Option B, it's going to require more work for a developer to build, um, but is more desirable for the user. Mm-hmm. Like, what is our role? What are we supposed to do? Yeah. So our role should be B, right? Yeah, it should. Because that's what, that's what we were hired to do, is try to design something, create something that is best for our users. Yeah. I think if that's the intent, I think it's fair. Yeah, so on, on the flip because side, you're saying that if, if we're just trying to give more work for engineers just because, like, if it doesn't really have the end goal of, you know, um, you know, serving our users, then you're saying that that, of course, isn't really the right way to go about it. Yeah, if... if, if if option A is easy for our developers and is good for our users, and option B is harder for our developers but good for our users, then I think you got to go with option A, right? At that point. Yeah. I think you, the the goal is whatever's the goal should be whatever is best for the product, whatever is best for the company, whatever is best for the user, right? Those three things. Um, that's the end goal in my mind, and so we've hired people like us like developers sales reps and we should have hired the best ones that we could find to perform that job right Mm -hmm. and so i don't i think you know we're not in business i don't think any company would tell you that they're in business to cater to uh developers or cater to product managers or you know cater to us cater to designers you know they're in the business to make money that's why the company exists yeah so i think i think that's what you're supposed to do i think as ux designers i think our role is is really to look at um, who has to do the most work because a lot of times by doing something that's easy for development, you're adding 
more work for the user, right? You're adding more complication, more work to the for the user mm-hmm. who aren't paid to do that, right? Like you're trying to streamline your product so it's best for the user. Um, you're putting, you're requiring them to do more work because the engineers didn't want to do the work, and I think that is unfair, right? I think I don't think that's the goal. I don't think that's what you want to achieve. Yeah, and kind of going back to um, the point of jobs to be done. Um, your customers hire your application, your software to do work for them, right? So if they're hiring mm-hmm. something to do work for them that causes them to do more work than they need to do, then they're going to fire you. <laughs> they're going to fire your your, yeah. your application or your software because they can find something else that can do that work for them um, that's more simple for them, right? So if we, um, we um, as a company or the engineering team take on the complicated part of that work, then it is solving the job that our customers need that need it to. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It does kind of come down to like, um, who is it serving? Is it the customer or are we just making sure the engineers are going to be able to, you know, not have to work too hard? Um, so I, I would definitely agree with that. One, one other thought I'm having here as well is, um, so his, his question, the way it's worded is like um, to do more work is, is it fair to desire them to do more work? Um, what I think is better um, than having them just do more is actually just to work more effectively. Um, and that would include like you working with engineering um, to making sure that you're both trying to do the right thing that's going to be good for the customer. And also you have to think about the company too. So it could be the best thing for the customer, but this thing could take three years to make because it's the best for the com- customer. But maybe your company is going to be out of business um, in two years if you just sit, you know, if the engineers are taking that long to do it. So you still have to also consider the business as well. Um, what what works for the customer as well as the business. Um, and so you're going to have to make some sacrifices here and there, um, potentially with the solution that you have. If your solution is very blue sky, um, and you know it's it's this really great solution, but this is going to take a really long time to build. Um, it may not work, and you may have to you know set it back a little bit and then build the rest of it at another time. You know, break up that mm-hmm. chunk of of delivery. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's about doing like more work, like if if it's yeah, just doing more, but more like effectively working um, with engineers and making sure that you're getting the right stuff out, kind of going along with the lines of what you're saying, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because doing the right thing for the user may take a long time. And so we have to figure out a way to to milestone that out, break it out, break out the work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> figure it out. How do we deliver value, right? That's the whole like agile kind of thing is delivering value to the customer in smaller chunks than in like, you know, big, large chunks. And so I think, yeah, getting, getting on board with development with that, I think is great. I I think, um, one of just along those lines too, is like, like you're talking about working with engineering, you know, I think that helps too. I think, I think when you, when you work with engineering more directly and you work with them and you communicate with them and all that stuff, um, I think that does alleviate a lot of work that they have to do, a lot of guessing that they have to they have to create. You know, if mm-hmm. you kind of know. I think the other thing too uh, that I think designers have problems with or slip into kind of a funk with is is uh, leaving a lot of stuff in their design 
open for interpretation. So like, you know, not designing certain part portions of the app, you know, or portions of the, your design, leaving those out because you just, you know, because you, you got lazy on some, on some level, right? You're like, mm-hmm. ah, they'll figure it out, whatever. Or I didn't think about it or whatever. You know, you're going to add a ton more work on their part as they're building. You know, it's like they don't have all the pieces to build whatever they're building. And so they've got to come back to you continually and, you know, work with you on that because you weren't prepared at the beginning either. So I think there's lots, the, 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 the question's great. There's lots of like different avenues of this question. Yeah. Uh, that Matt, Matt, our mighty EP has sent us. Yeah. And, um, this, this also makes me think this isn't exactly worded this way, but, um, I also wonder if he is also considering like, um, changing, do more work to work harder. Um, I don't know, Patrick, if you've ever experienced like, you know, working with some engineers that, you know, say you worked with some engineers that, you know, build something and then you work on something else that's similar and other engineers build it way slower. Have you ever experienced something like that before where other engineers like they, I don't know if there's less experience or if they um, just work at a slower pace than other engineers do. But um, I have personally kind of experienced that too, where like you may, you have different experiences with, you know, different people that you work with and some work faster than others. So I'm also wondering if he's considering like if, if you desire for your engineers to work faster um, instead of like, yeah, working at a slower pace that you're maybe not used to as a designer. Mm-hmm. Is that something you've experienced well, in your the... career? Yeah, I think, I think on every level, right? Like when you work with, um, you know, this would be the exact, it'd be the reverse too of designers, right? Like engineering, working with say like a junior designer, right? Um, I think it's totally fair to challenge that junior designer to, you know, improve their game and to question, you know, how they're working and, like, can they work better and, and how you know, push them to work a little harder or push them to do a little bit more, right? I think that's fine. I think it's fine the reverse, too, as a designer. And, like, it's probably okay to um, – I think it's fair to, you know, push a development team to be faster or push a development team to, um, you know, do something that is hard, right? Like, this, maybe this hasn't ever been done before. You know, it's like, well, can mm-hmm. it be done? Well, it probably can be done. Let's see if we can get it done. Because if we get it done, like nobody else does it, right? Um, and so I think I think that's fair. I think I think working in a team, just in general, I think that's part of your, you know, that's part of the way the team's supposed to work. Is they're supposed to challenge each other. And engineering is unique in in my mind because engineering is such a problem solving, uh, creative uh, skill set that every engineer I've ever met likes a challenge. Mm-hmm. Like junior junior engineers, people just starting out, people have never done it before to very seasoned, you know, architects, they, they want a challenge, right? And I think sometimes, um, sometimes I think people don't see it as a challenge. You know, I think we do this as designers too. Sometimes we don't see something as a challenge that we need to solve. Sometimes we go, oh, that just looks hard. You know, because maybe we just got off a hard project or maybe, you know, whatever, whatever's going on. But we don't see it as a challenge. We don't see it as a blessing. And I think sometimes they, uh, they you know, because they're humans, right, they react the same way. Yeah. And so I think sometimes it's, I think it's good to, to, you know, give them something that maybe is a little bit more difficult, maybe takes a little bit longer. Um, 
maybe is harder to do so that when it's done there's more more ownership in it you know they've put a little bit more sweat and tears into it than um than they normally would have and i think that's great because then if you you connect with the product that way if everything was just super easy to build if everything was just super easy to design if every problem was just super easy then you wouldn't connect with the product you wouldn't connect with the users you wouldn't connect you know that way and so i think doing something challenging or you know even even to the point of like requiring you know teammates to do something more challenging i think isn't fair in that regard as long as um like we were talking about earlier the intent is not to make them work harder or embarrass them or anything like that but the intent is to is to you know create ownership and do something best for the user yeah yeah totally agree um yeah so my next question is like what is the best way to challenge um developers um engineers because it you can do it in a way that's um, not a good way, like because you're supposed to work with them, right? I think it's you could easily like to say like, well, this is a problem. Just you know, f- I don't know. Like, I, I guess you could say this in a bad way. You could um, make someone feel bad if you're if you feel like they're not. You could make them feel like they're not doing the work that you expect. Um, so yeah, I wonder what is a good way to actually go about challenging them. Um, of course, the first way that you mentioned is you can give them a design that is a challenging one to do, right? Um, and I've had many experiences where, where, you know, developers, engineers will come back to me and saying like, this is really hard to do, this is harder than we thought, or this is something um, that can't be done. Um, whereas I've seen this thing be done in other places, you know, like it's, this is something that's not brand new. Um, so what has been your experience, Patrick, with, with challenging them in that way? Like you, you are very sure that it's been done. Other developers maybe have done it for you or done it with you, um, or you've seen it in other applications, uh, but this developer is telling you that it's something that can't be done or it's too hard to work on right now. Um, how do you deal with that sort of situation? I don't know, man. I think, I think it goes back to just working with people like, you know, the basics, right? Encouraging, being positive is always going to win. Being negative, being, you know, like, you know, I mean, people always talk about leadership uh, philosophies and, you know, you have your Michael Jordans and your, uh, you know, Steve Jobs's type mentality of, mm-hmm. you know, pushing really hard um, and being negative. I think, I think that's, I don't think that's the way you go about it when, when people are challenged with something or when people are struggling with something, I feel like it's the more like you can do it type mentality, you know, like, like you said, if it's something and we've, I think we've always run into this, right. And it, it generally doesn't happen for the reason that you think it happens. You design something that you've actually kind of like seen somewhere else. You put it into your app and kind of model it. So you know that this concept or this interaction exists, you give it to an engineering team the engineering team goes, well, we can't do that, right? Like, that's the first reaction is, it's mm-hmm. just too difficult, we can't do that. And then your first reaction is, is like, <laughs> come on, they did it, you know? Like, this company over here did it. Like, why can't you guys do it? Aren't you guys, you know? But but that makes them feel inadequate. That makes them feel whatever. Yeah. I think it comes down to understanding and being encouraging. Like, I think it comes down to asking the question why, right? Like, asking the question, like, why can't, why, why? Why is it impossible? Like, you don't even need to bring up the other application. Just say, like, 
why is it impossible? You know, it seems like it seems like it could work. And then you get the reasons come out, right? You get, well, they're saying this project is can only take three weeks. That's obviously like an eight-week thing, right? Hmm. So then it's less about their skill set and more about the time frame that they're thinking about. Um, or it's our JavaScript library doesn't have that component, so we'd have to build that component, which we can do. It's just going to take you an extra three weeks, you know? Like, there's all these things, you know, even to a point of, like, I don't know. There's just going to – there's so much interaction there. Um, it might be a QA nightmare to release something like that, right? So I think it's getting at why they're concerned with it and why it seems impossible. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I think I think just with human nature, we've all done stuff where we've been lazy or whatever. I think with human nature, sometimes that happens too. Sometimes they see something and it's like, man, that just looks difficult. I don't want to do it right now. And they just said, well, that's impossible, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, asking the question why in an encouraging way and not like trying to embarrass them or call them out way, um, you know, that'll weed that out too. Cause they, they might just be like, I've been in situations where it's like, here's, here's the design, here's what we want to build. And then like we go into a meeting and they're like, ah, that's too, that's going to be impossible. And then I'm like, why, you know? And then we talk about it and they, you know, give me some reasons. And then like two hours later, they cut, they send me a Slack message and said, ah, it's actually probably easier than we thought it would be. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just get them thinking about it, you know, like encourage them to think about it and encourage them in a way that's like, you know, this is a challenge more than it is, you know, difficulty. It's it's more of like, you can do this. Mm-hmm. I know you can do this. Um, I think that's helpful. I think that helps with us too, you know, like um, I think the thing that gets designers over that hump is when we, when we hear it from a user, right? Like, we hear something from a user, like, I don't want to do whatever. And then you hear this user say, oh, that would be huge if you could make it do this. You're like, okay, let's make it do that. You know, like, you get excited about it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'll design something. I'll design 300 screens to make this happen or whatever, blah, 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 blah. I think the same thing, um, I think I think you get the same effect from engineering when they get behind the user. I've seen too many engineers get on one, like, they'll get on one customer call once right and the customer says one thing and then their mission now as a developer is to solve that problem yeah absolutely even and it might be like a silly problem it might be little but i think that just illustrates that um you know i'd say 99 percent of engineers that i've ever worked with actually truly want to solve the user's problem and when the when it comes from the user versus when it comes from the designer i think they get you know they get connected to it just like we do right Mm -hmm. so yeah, it'd be like encourage them to do that. Encourage them to encourage them to take on a challenge, but also encourage them to understand that this is a user problem. And if that means listening to a user call or jumping on a call or whatever, I think I think that's what should be done. It's, it comes back to ownership, right? I think if you feel like you're doing the right thing for the user, doing the right thing for the company, then there's kind of like no you know no challenge too big, you know, in your mentality. And I think engineers really thrive on that yeah no that's that's really great advice i love that a lot yeah definitely asking the why and then yeah encouraging them in a very positive way um i think adding on to that as well is um kind of what you said is like you're you're involving them to you know to be part of that user you know just that discovery journey and allow them to be um to be able to understand what's going on as, as part of that, so then they can really get, you know, part of the the discovery and being really excited about that. 
Um, I think if you're able to do that, it'll really help out. But you can also, I think, work with them earlier on to give them the right sort of um, time to dis discover these problems that they're going to run into and research them so they can get a lot better. Um, so for example, I've you know worked with developers and we've talked about problems um, together, uh, things that might be challenging to do, and then we give them the opportunity to do like um, what we call like a research spike. So they're able to um, actually take time to research these problems that would be difficult to do and be able to you know figure out how long it would take to do this thing. So they can actually you know take the time to do it. Um, and I think as you, mm -hmm. you're able to give them that time to research it earlier on, they could be able to solve the problem in a lot better way and more effective way instead of just, here's this, this whole you know high fidelity mock-up. Um, the first time you're seeing it, now go ahead and do it. You know, So if you're involving them earlier on, they're able to research these, these difficult challenges and problems. They're going to be able to figure out how to solve these problems in a, a better way, I think. Yeah. Well, it doesn't feel like you're making them do extra work, right? Yeah. So it, it, it gets rid of, it removes that, what Matt was talking about. It removes that, is it fair? Because it, it's, it's gone, right? They, they understand it, they know it better, they understand the problem, and they're taking on the work that they need to take on. Yeah. That they know they can do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then um, even if they come back and say like this is this is hard because of these reasons, they've taken the time to research it and have you know have a lot of really good reasons as to why this might not be possible right now, or it'll take this much time to do right. So um, mm -hmm. I think that's that's a great way to work together um, instead of just kind of having these problems arise towards the, towards the end of a design project. Yeah. Well, it's good too because you know. Right, and then you can adjust your design and try to, because then you can go back and say, okay, well, if it's going to be really difficult to do this, then let me let me pick one of the million different ways I can design this thing, and see if it still meets our users' needs as well as the technical needs. Mm -hmm. I think that really is what you're trying to accomplish, right? You advocate for your users. That's your job. That's what you're hired to do. But as a team, as a team member. Right, your job is to make sure that it's technically feasible as well, mm -hmm. right? And so I think you have to balance both of those worlds of like, I'm going to advocate for the best design um, and challenge an engineering team to get the best design. But if it is if it is impossible or if it's too difficult or if it's going to take too long, then yeah, as a rational person, then you need to back off and be like, okay, well, how can I redesign this in a way that still meets the user's needs and isn't going to put too much work on the user, but also be able to work with, you know, the rest of my team to get this thing built. Yeah. yeah. I think that kind of sums it all up. I mean, really, like, the the fairness part, I think it goes back to, you know, everybody's, everybody's being well compensated too, right, uh, practically. So I think it's not necessarily unfair to make somebody do their job, um, you know. But again, I think it comes down to, like, well, are we just, are we doing this because we're being a brat and we want... You know, we want to get our way as a designer, or are we, you know, trying to be a teammate and work with our team to make sure that we deliver the best user experience that we can? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you're de designing the right way, which is involving 
the technology part of this, the business part of this, and the user all together, and everybody is like on board and understands what the problem is and is excited about solving with that solution. Um, I think it is absolutely fair, and there, there's not going to be any anybody that's going to be like, oh, I have to go <laughs> work on this thing. You know, they're all going to be excited yeah. about solving this problem, <laughs> and it's it, it's like yeah, yeah, it's the right way to do it. Um, it's not always the easiest thing to do, but I think it. As a designer, if you're you're doing your job really well, you're involving everybody, um, and they're involving you, um, and all of these decision-making pro- projects um, and processes to be able to give the final solution to the user. So, um, mm-hmm. as long as you're doing that, then yeah, it's fair. It's absolutely fair, Matt Bourne. <laughs> totally fair, bro. <laughs> Awesome, man. Is that, that's it, man. That's it. We did it. We answered that question. I think Another that's one it. in the books. Yeah. One of these days we're going to learn how to end a podcast episode, Andy. <laughs> you, you mean you don't like episodes that have like a, an awkward silence right towards the end? Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of end the conversation and be like... <laughs> just, just be like... Just be like, just... What happened? What happened? <laughs> But maybe it keeps maybe it keeps listeners in check, right? If they're just like, if they're if they're uh, you know listening to us while they work, all of a sudden like there's no sound. They're like, is the episode over? Yeah. What's going on? And then we chime back in, and then they're like, oh okay, I get it. And then we end it. <laughs> we gotta figure out how to end it on a high note, you know, like the George Costanza ended on a real good thing and just walk away from it. Yeah, that's a good call. So next time, next time you finish like monologuing, we'll just drop the mic and just turn it off. It'll just be like, oh so man, just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> monologuing. You should end it. We should have. We should have. We should. You should end a uh, crap. I was trying to think of something. You should end it on like this, uh, like, fifteen minute rap esque monologue about Disneyland or something. <laughs> rap esque. Every episode. Monologue? What where I'm Yeah, like you know, like Hamilton's all the rage, right? Like <laughs> something like that. Um I I I don't quite get that reference like, because I've shot. never I've never seen Hamilton in, in either. You've never seen Hamilton? Have you ever have you ever heard of this thing called Disney Plus? Yeah, I watch Disney Plus all the time. But I don't have I don't have yeah. time for, for Hamilton, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Personally. I will I will admit I will admit, Andy, I watched about 10 minutes of it, and it's on TV. It's different than, you know, being there. Mm-hmm. I watched 10 minutes of it, and I, I was completely bored. And really? I turned it off. Oh. And I, and I don't think Danon listens to this podcast anymore, but if he does, he's going to be really disappointed in me. Yeah, he's, he's going to be angry. He's going to turn it off. <clears throat> Unsubscribe in an angry way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but uh, maybe that's the challenge this week. Maybe we should watch Hamilton this week sometime. Well, dude, and if, then do a quick review on it next week. I don't know though. If if you watched it, you gave it ten minutes. That's enough time to give something a good shot. And it sounds like it didn't work for you. Why? Why should I have to do nah, that? No, I don't. But ten minutes, it's too. It's <laughs> why should I have to do that? I'm gonna challenge you. I think it's fair to challenge you to do more work, Andy. <laughs> I'm gonna challenge you to. To watch Hamilton, I'll challenge myself to watch Hamilton. It doesn't have to be in one sitting. Like we could, we could digest this, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a time. <laughs> I've also heard that it's, 
I've also heard that it's better the second time and the third time. Oh, great. That's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's two and a half hours long. So, oh, yeah. And you, you know how he dies, right? At the end? He dies at the end? Does he die at the end? Uh-huh. Yeah, he dies at the end. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. And I'm not sure how Alexander, uh, how he died in real life. Was was it a duel that he died in? Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know your history, Andy. Oh, yeah. He died in a duel. <laughs> I'm sure that's how the, uh, the, the, the play ends, right? With him dying in a duel. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, that would make sense unless there's... I don't know, stuff that really happened to him afterwards. Yeah. I don't know. Unless they, like, bring him back to life or something, you know? Yeah. They could do that in a play, right? They can do anything they want Comes back play. as a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's the challenge I give to you, Andy. <sighs> and myself. All right. I don't like it, but I'll do let's, it. Let's watch as... <laughs> let's watch as much Hamilton as we can, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> We'll see how far I get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, see you, Andy. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> you want to know the best way to support the podcast? And I know you do because you made it to the end of this episode. That is share it. Share it with a coworker. Share it with a family member. Share it with a friend. Share it with whoever you want to. Share it with a construction worker. Share it with somebody. It doesn't matter. Just share it. Um, a couple more ways to support the podcast, though. Go buy a t-shirt over at designmuch.threadless.com and then wear it with pride. And then lastly, to support the podcast, we need your topics. Use hashtag designmuchtopics on social media or shoot us an email at topics at designmuch.org or just go to designmuch.org contact and fill out the form.